All right, well, I want to introduce our uh, Pastor Cedric to you uh, this morning. He's also, he's going to talk about World Impact right now, but we're, he's also going to be bringing us the Word of God as well. And I want to introduce him to you. I met him at a conference a couple months ago uh, for pastors across different denominations, a ministry to pastors, and I got talking to him. I got to visit World Impact. He showed me the headquarters, the school, uh, the different facilities, the different ministries that he had going there, and it really moved me. Uh, Pastor Cedric is also a church planner. He planted a church in Long Beach, and it's a, it's a beautiful, thriving church over there as well. He's the director of city ministry at World Impact. He's a church planner. He's an L.A. native. He's been in Los Angeles doing ministry for more than 18 years. So he's a veteran. He's a leader. We're really blessed to have him. So during this time, we're going to invite him up, and he's going to share about World Impact and his ministry there and ways that we can get involved. So let's give a hand to Pastor Cedric as he comes forward. Thanks, Dennis. Appreciate you, man. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Can you all hear me? Everybody hear me okay? Um, Just to, I guess, talk about and share about Um, what I do. Um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, so I've I've lived in different parts of of L.A. Um, And so that's kind of unique for the simple fact that I'm finding out the more that I I, uh, go and travel around different parts of Los Angeles that I've, I've found that to be a native means that you're actually an outlier, means that you're an anomaly. Uh, but I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I was born in a city called Inglewood. Um, and my parents moved from Inglewood to a community called Ladera Heights, which is over near Culver City. Uh, grew up there, went to school, uh, graduated from a school over in Playa del Rey, Catholic High School. Left here for about five years and went to Atlanta to go to college. Came back, met my wife, and I've been here ever since. So uh, L.A. is my home. L.A. is... Uh, uh, part of my DNA. And um, so when I became the C director for World Impact, it was somewhat, it was somewhat of a calling, I guess is what I want to say, uh, because I had always been in Los Angeles and Los Angeles and different parts of Los Angeles, that of course I would be the LA City Director. And so LA uh, uh, City Director means that I get to work with churches, I get to work with uh, parachurch ministries, I get to be civically engaged uh, uh, in different arenas and whatnot, but our main focus is to empower local leaders and come alongside the the local church uh, to be able to um, uh, help them spread the gospel. Uh, and so my work every day is it's, it's tiring at points, but it's rewarding at the end of the day because I know that we are doing something good to help some folks live out their calling and live out our, their calling more efficiently. And what we've said is that um, World Impact is like Home Depot. Um, Home Depot's thing is you want to build it and, and we're here to help. Our thing is, <laughs> our thing is, you want to do ministry, and we're here to help. So we're like the Home Depot of ministry. Um, and so I'll share out more as I uh, share our message this morning um, on on some different ways that we try to engage the community. Let me pray for uh, World Impact and Pastor Cedric this morning. <clears throat> Let me, please pray with me. 
Father, we give you thanks for raising up Pastor Cedric, and we give you thanks for a ministry like World Impact. Fifty years ago, you put upon uh, a young man's heart a love for the inner city and a love for children, and we've seen God bless this ministry to minister to thousands of people, and especially bringing up young men and women uh, to be leaders in the church and to love the city. So we thank you for World Impact. We pray that you'd continue to bless them. Pray that you'd continue to, through them, raise up leaders to bless the church. Pray that through them you'd raise up leaders and missionaries here in the city and all over the world. We pray that through World Impact and through local churches, the city would flourish in every way, spiritually, physically, socially, economically. We pray that your shalom would be over the city and you'd work through uh, this organization and through Pastor uh, Cedric this morning and throughout his life. So we give you thanks for that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 During this time, we're going to dismiss our kids to Children's Church. And why don't we use this time to greet one another in Jesus? Amen. Great. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank I'll you. Uh, read the scripture and I'll okay. do some confession. I'll bring it up again. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Hold on to it. Good morning. Good to have you here. Thank you, man. I'm Thanks Sean. for being here. Sean, nice to meet you. How you doing, man? No problem, man. Thank you for being here. No, I'm okay. Thank you. Cedric. Pleasure. All right, well, during this time, we have a time of confession, and our time of confession is to refocus on our king. So much throughout the week, we lose our focus, we focus on the wrong things, we over-focus on things that don't really matter, but in this time of confession, we are bringing ourselves back to God, that God, you are the creator of the universe, you are the thing that is most beautiful and true and perfect. Forgive us for wandering from that one thing. And bring us back into your presence. So during this time of confession, we're going to pray corporately. And then we're going to just bring ourselves personally, quietly before the Lord. So let's read this prayer of confession together as a church. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shatter the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. We waste your gifts wander from your ways and forget your love. We overlook our neighbor and are constantly fixated on ourselves. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new, that we may know the joy of abundant life given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen. Amen. Why don't we spend some time then in quiet prayer and in confession.
Amen. Would you now hear the word of God's grace from Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Amen. Amen. Would you receive that word? God's grace is unconditional forgiveness for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, the scripture we're reading this morning is from 1 Peter 3, verse 8 to 18. 1 Peter 3, verse 8 to 18. The scripture is printed in your bulletin. We're also going to project it. This is the reading of God's word. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for those... But for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let us keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Amen. Amen. And I just introduced our guest speaker. His name is Pastor Cedric Nelms, and he'll be speaking to us this morning. So why don't we welcome him again as he comes and brings us the word of God. Pastor Cedric. Amen. So today is very unique for 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 me because usually um, <clears throat> over the last couple of years, we at our church, Chosen Generation Fellowship Church, which is over in North Long Beach, we have a thing where on the fifth Sundays we will um, we shut our church down. And so when we shut our church down, we do things in the community. So last fifth Sunday, we were down this way on 6th and Gladys feeding um, the homeless. So uh, through World Impact, uh, there's a young lady by the name of Jennifer Chow, and she has a ministry called Jesus Knows My Name. And she feeds about 150 uh, homeless every Sunday. And the crazy thing about her church is that she doesn't have a church building. Her church meets in the uh, parking lot of a transmission shop. 
And so she hands out tracts and uh, they get to preach word and uh, she needs food. And so she was, she was connected to Trader Joe's and Trader Joe's, um, for whatever reason, stopped supplying her with food. And so she reached out to, reached out to me and she said, Pastor Cedric, can your church support us? And so we handed out food there last fifth Sunday. We handed out food there last week. Uh, but today, uh, the church is meeting up at a beach in Long Beach. Uh, and so they're getting everything together and whatnot. And I think one of the, the cutest things uh, was my daughter asked me, she said, Daddy, where are you going? I said, well, I got to go preach at a church downtown. She said, aw. She said, well, will you come and see us later? I said, yeah, I'll be there later. I said, I just got to go preach. She said, oh, oh, okay. All right. She said, well, I'll try to wait for you before I get in the water. I said, okay. I said, but you can go get in the water if you want to before I get there. She said, okay, you sure that won't hurt your feelings? I said, no, it won't hurt my feelings. It's okay. <laughs> Let daddy go do what he got to do, then I'll be back. And so today I, I, I want to talk about the duality of ministry. The duality of ministry and being Batman and Luke Cage. And so what, you will, what you'll see today is um, kind of like me sharing out my life. Um, the picture behind me will show some of my family. Uh, I've done ministry with my family uh, for the last 22 years that I've been in ministry. And so uh, this is a slide of my family. And so um, you got my son, <clears throat> uh, Khalid, over here to my left. That's my mom and my wife. Uh, that's uh, one of my daughter's counselors from high school. That's my daughter, Courtney, there next to me, our oldest daughter, Erica, my other son. That's my dad and my aunt. And so just a little background on me. I have five children, and we have our oldest daughter, Erica, is 32. Uh, and, my, and our son, who's not in the picture, he always seems to find a way to get out of picture taking. He was at work the day that my youngest daughter graduated from high school. Uh, Jonathan is 28, and then my wife and I, we have a set of triplets that are 18. And so what you see here in the picture are the trips. So my son Isaiah uh, uh, with the blonde top and my daughter Courtney uh, here in the center, and my son Khalid over there to the left, they are a set of triplets that just graduated from high school, and they'll be going off to college in the fall. Uh, and so when you talk about duality, duality in doing ministry is always a dualness in it. Because at some point you got to realize that doing ministry is, is part of life, but you also have to have other parts of life that you operate in as well. And so today I want to talk about uh, two of my favorite things, which is um, um, superheroes. I am an avid superhero person. I like everything Avenger, I like Thor, I like Black Panther, I like uh, Batman, I like Superman. I've always been a superhero person. And so when I was growing up, one of the things that I liked was watching superhero cartoons. Uh, and as a kid on Saturday mornings, I would get up and I would go get the biggest bowl that my mom had and pour cereal in it and pour milk inside of it. And I'd sit there and I'd watch cartoons. And one of my favorite cartoons at the time was the Super Friends. 
which would eventually turn into Justice League of America. And the Super Friends were comprised of Aquaman, Batman, Robin, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And they would add the Flash and the Green Lantern and Hawkman later on. But on Saturday mornings, the Super Friends would battle the Legion of Doom. Uh, which was Lex Luthor and the Riddler. The one superhero that became my personal favorite was Batman. And over the years, I've been able to figure out why Batman was my favorite superhero. Uh, 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 Batman's secret identity uh, is Bruce Wayne, and he was an American billionaire. He was a, a philanthropist. He was a, a, a playboy. He was the owner of Wayne Enterprises. And after witnessing the murder of his parents, as a child, he swore vengeance against criminals, an oath tempered by a sense of justice. A few weeks ago, I watched the Luke Cage series on Netflix. And Luke Cage is an ex-convict in prison for a tr crime he did not commit who gains the powers of superhuman strength and unbreakable skin after being subjected to involuntary experience or experiments. And as I watched the series, it became apparent that Luke Cage was a superhero for hire. It became apparent that he was a defender of his community against injustice. The similarities between these two superheroes is that they are both fighting for justice against injustice in their community. But the difference between them is that one is a DC comic superhero and the other is Marvel. One is in Gotham and the other is in Harlem. Uh, one is white, the other is black. But the most intriguing difference is that one has flesh that can be penetrated and the other one doesn't. So unlike most superheroes, Batman doesn't possess any, any superpowers. Rather, he relies on his genius intellect and physical prowess and martial art abilities and detective skills and science and technology and vast wealth and intimidation and, and his will. Luke Cage doesn't have a costume, yet he defends himself with the only thing he has, which is his skin. His skin can't be penetrated Bullets, knives, and the like just bounce off of his skin. In the 20 plus years I've been in church, in the 18 years that I've been in ministry, and the six years that I've been a pastor, there have been times that I have been like Batman, defender of justice, using detective skills to figure out how to move the people of God forward, maneuvering through, uh, maneuvering through the maze of theology and community relations, but for me and others, we spend most of our time serving the Lord, being more like Luke Cage. We're constantly and consistently doing ministry, having to have thick skin, not penetratable skin. God has made us all with a complex system of emotions, and some of us wear them on our sleeves, and some of us hide them very well, but all of us have them, and because of that, all of us have the ability to be hurt to experience pain and sadness and disappointment and often it comes from the way that we are treated by other people. I just stopped by to tell you that, that ministry can hurt. 
Ministry can be difficult. Ministry can be uh, uh, troubling, especially when you're trying to do it in the city. Ministry can be hard when you're trying to get people to understand that God loves them, but they don't see it because of the community in which they live. The Christian with thick skin is able to deal with the hurt and deal with the pain and extend forgiveness to the person or persons who've hurt them. It doesn't mean that they don't hurt or that they are immune to anger or bitterness over the actions of others, but they've learned not to let it consume them. The Christian who develops thick skin is the one who understands the nature and necessity of forgiveness. Forgiveness, this is the one of the hardest things for many of us to do. We live in a day and an age where we love to blame. We blame anything on anyone and then feel that we are justified to hold a grudge and to return pain for pain. The reality is that a lot of us like to hold on to those things that are done to us and we hold on to anger and we dwell on the pain and we think of ways that we can get even, but God says, don't let it penetrate you. Let it go. Trust me to take care of it. Learn to forgive. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 and 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. We have to understand that when we do ministry in the city, that it can be difficult, that it can be troublesome, that we have to have thick skin because everybody is not going to take us at our word because of the world that we live in. People are always second-guessing your motives. One of the things that World Impact that we've learned how to do is we've learned how to forgive. Our, our, our Onesimus project, which is our incarceration to incorporation, is one to where and we train churches to be able to forgive those who are returning citizens out of prison and how to work with them. But most of it is not really training the church to, to, to do anything special. It's training the church in understanding that you have to go above and beyond being a, a welcoming community. But if we're the church like we, say, like we say we are, that shouldn't be a problem. But sometimes it is when we're inviting people in that don't look like us. When we invite people in that don't talk like us. When we don't invite people in that may not be in the same socioeconomic level as us, sometimes it can be hard to be on mission for Christ because being on mission for Christ means that you got to go in some areas that you don't like. I often tease and joke and say that uh, I wasn't raised in the hood, but I'm hood adjacent. Which means that uh, I was raised in a community with million dollar homes and I was raised in a community where I grew up uh, around uh, accountants and, and, and athletes and executives. But I played ball and I played sports and I did activities in the community that they considered to be the hood. So I learned how to live in a dual world that Monday through Friday I would go to school and I would be around other cultures and I, I would assimilate and I would, I would speak well and I would write well. But on the weekends I had to learn how to, how to click in and, and clock in and, and talk slang because if not I would get teased and I would get laughed at. So duality has always been a part of my life. And when you do ministry you got to realize that everybody doesn't understand Christian cliches and that sometimes you have to get roll up your sleeves and get dirty 
dirty and understand that everybody is not going to come to you walking through these doors that sometimes you got to go out and bring them in. So when we look at this, when we look at being Batman and Luke Cage, what does that mean for us? Well, the first thing is we got to drop certain attributes of our attitude. Uh, and if you, if, if you don't mind, just give me a few minutes to, to walk you through some of the things that typically we can do uh, as, as people of faith and people of God and, and those who are in the church. And, and, and the one thing is we can have an attitude of pride. We can have an attitude of pride. The reason why pride is so detrimental is because pride produces fear of rejection by others. Many people in the church have one time or another experienced rejection from someone in the church. However, we need to remember even Christ experienced rejection and the Apostle Paul was not always loved in return. When you look at 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13, it says, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us as, as, as a fair exchange. I speak as to my children, open your hearts wide also. The scriptures say pride comes before the fall. Some of us can be too prideful. Some of us can think we, are, we already have it going on and we pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But at the end of the day, you got to realize that someone was there to help you when you couldn't help yourself. So we can't allow for pride to rest in our hearts because pride is something that will separate us from truly being in present and in relationship with God. I'm someone who always tries to relate stuff to relationships, and I don't know why. Uh, my wife and I will celebrate uh, 20 years of marriage in August. So we're, we're, we're going away for the first time in six years, just me and her. And we, we, we have told each other that we're going to live like Adam and Eve. So we're just going to go someplace without kids, and we're going to get back into our, our nature. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So this is the first time we won't have children to worry about, their schedules, anything. So we're going to go party like it's 1999, and please don't hold that against us, all right? But, but, but the thing that I've noticed over the years is that most of the time, most arguments in relationships break out. Why? Because somebody is prideful. Somebody does not want to submit and say that I was wrong. But the thing with doing ministry in the urban context is that you can't have, you can't be too prideful because all of us are struggling. Most of us understand that when you're doing ministry in the hood, most of the pastors are bivocational. So that means they've got to go to work and they've got to work the ministry. And so none of us can really tote ourselves as being the next great anything. We're just trying to do ministry. Everybody needs to be accepted. What this text is saying is that we, as a church, have got to open up our arms and we welcome everybody. I tell people all the time, I want everybody to come to our church. It doesn't make a difference. You can be short, you can be tall, you can be black, you can be white, you can be... It doesn't make a difference. You can, you can be heterosexual, you can be homo. It doesn't make a difference. I want everybody to come to the house of the Lord and let God work on the people because he's only given me an assignment to preach the word of God. But I can't change anybody. Only God can do that. Our second point, our second point is having an attitude of thoughtlessness. It is thoughtlessness or insensitivity that produces clicks in the church. 
Let us face it, everyone has good friends who, who they enjoy being with. Even Christ had three apostles. He felt closer to out of the 12, but he was closest uh, 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 to some of them, but, but he did not disrespect any of them. The problem comes when people enjoy their close friends so much that they seek out fellowship only with them to the exclusion of others. At some point, we've got to realize that some of the things we do are thoughtless. Some of the things that we do, we don't think about the other person. And we live in a society in a day and age to where we just want to live our truth. And we live our truth not caring about the other person's feelings. But when you talk about ministry, ministry means that you've got to put your feelings on the back burner. Doing ministry means that sometimes you've got to forget how you feel and put yourself in the other person's shoes. The third thing, the third thing is an attitude of selfishness. When it comes right down to the root problem in most Christian lives, the real cause of thin skins and hard hearts is selfishness. If we weren't so selfish, we wouldn't be so full of pride and fear of rejection. We wouldn't be so thoughtless and we wouldn't be so oversensitive to how others treat us. At the heart of ministry, you have got to be thick-skinned. So if you get nothing else out of this message today, realize that you got to get thick-skinned to do ministry. Like Luke Cage, when you do ministry, you have to have skin that is not penetratable or, or can to deflect those things that are experienced. So at some point, you got to be okay with someone walking away from you. You got to be okay with the idea that everybody is not going to accept what you bring. When we went down to Six and Gladys, um, I was ministering to the folks that were in the line, and one of the ladies, when I walked up with a track, she said, oh, I don't want that. I said, okay. I said, will you let me pray for you? She said, no, I don't need any prayer. I'm just here to get the food, and that's it, and that's all. Now, at some level, that hurt me. But I had to understand that at the end of the day, she didn't want what I was offering and that's okay. She was there for one thing and one, th- one thing only, and we were able to supply her need. A lot of time in church, we get upset because people don't take all that we have to offer. But you got to realize that sometimes you just got to supply the need. And it may just be one thing they want. There are some people that come to your church just because you all serve good donuts. I know some other people that go to church because they serve Starbucks. I'm like, okay, great. Some people go to church because the water has lemon in it and it's got all kind of vegetables and zucchini and whatever that other stuff my wife puts in the water sometime to flavor it up. <laughs> like, is that blueberries? She's like, yeah, babe, those are blueberries. Okay, great. <laughs> Can I get a bottle of water, please? That's all I need today. <laughs> you got to realize whatever works. Ministry sometimes is about whatever works. That's the beauty of, of, of Batman and superheroes. Sometimes they would get to the point to where in they had to use whatever worked. I never will forget a scene in Batman where he was with Catwoman and, and, and Catwoman was, was admiring his pecs and his costume and all that kind of stuff. And when she rubbed on him, she got to the side of his costume and found where his skin was, and she was able to poke him with one of her claws. 
We all have an area that pokes us. We all have an area that's vulnerable to us. And you got to realize when you're doing ministry, when you're doing life with each other, there's going to be some times where you're going to be real vulnerable. But that's not the time for you to feel like you should be rejected. Those are not the times to wear in if you're not the vulnerable party that you need to reject someone else. No, you need to allow for, for you and that other person to lament in their vulnerability. So for us in ministry and those of us that are living on mission, here are three things that we should do. So we should have an attitude of, I care about you. One of the things that World Impact is, when Pastor Dennis came over, I oversee a staff of about 30 to 40 missionary and non-missionary staff. Uh, I have a budget of, of, of 650000 that I'm supposed to manage. We have properties uh, that I manage, which is probably up in the 2 or $3 million range that I have to oversee. And then at the same time, we have a K-8 through school uh, that has 121 students that, that came through there this year. And we also have a teen center that has about 30 to 40 students that come through uh, on a weekly basis. And one of the things that uh, uh, I do sometimes is that being in ministry and working for a Christian mission organization can get a little hard sometimes. And sometimes I can get frustrated. Sometimes I can get irritated. Sometimes I just can't do what I want to do. And so what I will do is that where my office is situated, my office is across the street from the school. And what I'll do is I'll get up from my desk and I'll go out and just get some fresh air. And I wind up walking over to the school. And when I walk over to the school, they're on lunch break. And the littlest kids will, 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 will see me and they'll say, hey, Mr. Cedric, and they'll wave. And sometimes when I go over, uh, I'll go over and I'll just peep my head in. And I never will forget, it was a day that I was having a, 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 a little bit of trouble on the job. And I went in, and, and when I went into the kindergarten class, I saw this young kid, and he called me over. He said, Mr. Cedric, come here. And of course, he's a short guy, so I had to bend over, right? And he said, come down here. And I'm like, okay, all right, what do you have to tell me today? He said, I want you to know that we're praying for you. He said, I want you to know that we love you, Mr. Cedric. Now, you know I had to walk out and, and cry because you can't, you know, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm a bearded man who has a white beard, look like Santa Claus. I can't cry in front of the children, right? So as I was walking back to my office, I'm tearing up. Sometimes you just need to know that somebody cares about you. When, when, when your mother's in the hospital, when, 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 when your sister is, is sick, sometimes you don't need to know all of the 66 books or the scriptures in the books. You just need to know that someone cares about you. We have a world outside of these four walls that needs people to know that they, they are cared about. Somebody outside of these four walls needs to know that, that they are cared about. And I'm going to give you a caveat. If you're taking notes, write this down. There are, there, there are a group of people who are connected to you that their only way of getting to know Christ is going to be through you. Which means that if you don't show someone that you care, they won't know the love of Christ. They won't know that God loves them. They won't know that someone cares about them. And so we have to have an attitude of being caring. If no one else at the job cares, it ought to be us. Because we say that we love God. To do ministry, 
You got to care. That's the thing that you see from Batman and Luke Cage. At the end of the day, Batman cared about Gotham. Luke Cage cared about Harlem. Who's going to care about Los Angeles? The second one, the second point, have an attitude of encouragement. You got to ask yourself, as it says in, in Proverbs 12 and 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind works cheers him up. Who have you encouraged this past week? Who have you said to someone and given them an encouraging word? Because everything else is discouraging. When you troll Twitter, when you go on Instagram, when you go on Facebook, everything can bring you down. There are certain things that can just thwart your whole uh, uh, attitude. But who have you encouraged? And who has encouraged you? If nothing else, when we come to church on Sunday, we need to be encouraged by each other. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta love on somebody else. One of the things we have at World Impact is the Urban Clergy Association. We get together once a month with pastors in different parts of the city. And it's a four-part thing that we do through our, our, what we call our UCA, Urban Clergy Association. We, we, we uh, are about reproduction, showing pastors how to reproduce what, they, what another pastor may be doing. It's about networking. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's about getting them together and sharing resources. But the biggest thing that we do that most pastors like the most is the soul care piece. Most of our pastors that we have that are part of our UCA are pastoring churches that are less than 100 members and in the hardest part of the city. And sometimes they just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So in that UCA, sometimes we just get pastors together and sometimes pastors will say, I don't need any resources. I don't need any networking. I don't need any reproduction, but I just need you to pray for me. Who has prayed for you and who have you prayed for? Third and final point, have an attitude of being willing to giving ourselves away. There's a song that our praise team sings at the church about I give myself away. We need to develop the attitude of being willing to give ourselves away. This is the principle of spending yourself uh, for others is the crux of the whole matter of being thick-skinned and tender-hearted. That means that at some point you've got to give yourself away. What are you here for? You are a conduit for Christ. I know that you think that you are all that and a bag of chips and some red vines. But God is using you to be a conduit. When you think about it, the light bulb and the lamp are only the light bulb and the lamp when it's plugged in. But the most valuable part is the cord that brings the electricity from the wall to the light bulb. Because if you don't have the conduit to carry the energy between the, the source and the end product, you don't have anything. At some point, you got to realize that's what we're here for. That's why I love World Impact. We don't have to have our name plastered on a lot of stuff. We tell people all the time, we don't need, we don't need to send you our logo. 
Just use the resources that we have because we're not here to try to get credit for everything. We're here to make sure that you're doing ministry well and that you're doing it healthy and that you're not struggling and that you're not pulling your hair out trying to figure out how to do this thing. We are here to help. Sometimes ministry is more giving than it is receiving. So as I leave you here today, one of the things that I share with you that I don't share with too many people, I was, I went to school and my mother had me major in biology because she wanted me to be a pharmacist. But when I took my first math class, I figured out, okay, we're going to have to change this thing up here a little bit. (laughs) I'm good, but I'm not that good. But I finished with a biology degree, and I worked for about 13 or 14 years in the biotech pharmaceutical field. And the last job I had was working for a company out in Cerritos for seven years where we made soft gels. And so I was into the nutraceuticals. My best year financially was I made over $100,000 and I got a $7,000 bonus. But I was miserable. I was working 50 and 60 hours a week. And one day my daughter was on the phone and she had called me. And she said, Daddy, my friends think that I'm a liar. I said, why do your friends think that you're a liar? She said, because I'm always talking about my dad, but they never see you. And so they think that I'm lying and telling them that I have a dad, and I really don't. So as I got off the phone, I realized, what am I doing this for? Why am I working if the people that I'm working for don't know or don't feel my presence. I walked away from that job. I walked away from it not because I was feeling some type of way. I walked away from it because God was calling me to do something different. And I made a promise to those kids that you saw that through your high school year, there will be nothing that I will not be present. So I went to PTA meetings, I went to football games, I went to back to school nights. Anytime the kids had an issue, I was right there. I was on one of my son's campuses so much that when he graduated from high school a couple of weeks ago, the school at the awards banquet gave me an award for being the parent of the year. But I didn't do it for that. I did it because I wanted to give my children everything that I got. That way when they are grown and they have their own children, they can replicate what they saw their father do. Ministry is about replicating what someone else does. My question to you this week, and I want you to ponder on this, and I'm not looking for you to answer it today. Who are you going to give yourself away to this week? Who needs you more than you need yourself? Who, 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 who are you Batman to? Who are you Luke Cage to? 
What community is your Gotham? What is your Harlem? Who needs you? Because there's somebody that needs what you have. But if you don't give it away, they'll never experience the true love of Christ. There are people that are walking around that'll never read the 66 books in the Bible. They'll never pray like we prayed this morning. But they'll need you to show them what's in the book. They'll need you to show them what the hand of God looks like. They need you to show show them what the true heart of Christ is. So I challenge you this week. Go do ministry but be thick-skinned about it, but have the heart of Christ while you do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for what you have done and what you have allowed for me to speak here today. Heavenly Father, allow for our hearts and our souls to be saturated by the calling that you have on each one of our lives. Allow for us to realize that we are part of a superhero team that is led by you. Now allow for us to go back to our respective communities and workplace and neighborhoods and families and be that superhero to them. Be thick skinned Mm -hmm. and carry the heart of Christ. Amen. Amen.